0: Let's turn together in our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And even though we're reading verses 25 and following, we're going to be looking also at what happens earlier in our chapter with the conversion of Lydia as well. So Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 25, and reading to verse. Uh, 34 Acts chapter 16, that's found on page 1100 in our uh, Black Bibles. Acts chapter 16, let's start a reading a verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And that's as far as we're reading from Acts 16. Again, I do encourage you to keep your Bibles open if you can, as we're going to be looking at these verses together. Let's also turn in the back of our songbooks to look at Lord's Day 27. As I said before, we're looking at the means of grace this week with baptism. And next week, focusing on the Lord's Supper. Lord's Day 27, and that's found on page... 884, 884 in the back of our red songbooks. I'll read the question, and let's respond with the answers uh, together. Question and answer 72 then. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No. Only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. Why, then, does the Holy Spirit call baptism the water of rebirth and the washing away of sins? God has good reason for these words. To begin with, He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ take away our sins just as water removes dirt from the body. But more importantly, He wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign That we are truly washed of all our sins spiritually as our bodies are washed with water physically. Then finally, question answer 74. Should infants also be baptized? Yes. Infants as well as adults are included in God's covenant and people. And they, no less than adults are promised deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith. Therefore, by baptism, the sign of the covenant, they too should be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. This was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced in the New Testament by baptism. And that's as far as reading in the catechism, we pray for the blessing of our God upon the preaching of his word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the question before us is this, who should receive baptism? Or maybe I could ask the question this way, what kind of baptism do we practice here in this church? I imagine that most people were If they were asked this question, what kind of baptism does a church practice, would answer one of two ways. Either your church practices infant baptism, where you baptize babies, or your church practices believer's baptism, where you baptize adults upon profession. But today I'm going to submit to you that there is a third option. And this third option, this third way is what kind of baptism we practice here in our church. The kind of baptism that we practice here in our church is covenantal baptism or household baptism. What can sometimes happen in Reformed circles when we normally witness baptism being administered to little children, sometimes the thought, the mentality can enter into our minds that this is the only kind of baptism that we should expect that we see. But if you were to look in our forms and prayers books, do you know that in our forms and prayers books, you will find not only a form for infant baptism, but you will find a form for adult baptism, and you will find a form for household baptism. And that's what kind of baptism we are going to be considering today, covenantal baptism. So who does God covenant with? What does it mean that we practice, that we believe in covenantal baptism? Or to ask the question another way, why should children be included in this practice of baptism? Let me ask you specifically, little children. Children, is this your church? Do you belong to this church? Are you a member of this church? When I speak to you as a congregation, am I including children? Or when I speak to the congregation when I call upon the people of God, the flock of God, the congregation of Christ, does that only apply to those who have made public profession of faith? Or does it apply to you, little children, as well? Well, having considered the means of grace last week, we press on this week to focus particularly on the sacrament of baptism. We're going to be looking at the proper use of baptism as well as the limits of baptism as well. We are going to be looking at this theme that Jesus Christ instituted household baptism or covenantal baptism as a sign of those who are in a relationship with Him, or as a sign of those with whom He covenants. And our first point then, we start by looking at the promise of baptism and to whom the promise of baptism is extended. So who receives the promises? And the promises are, we're going to be looking at just a few minutes from now, but the promises are the promise of the forgiveness of sins and the promise of the Holy Spirit. To whom is this promise extended? Who receives the promise of forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, this promise, brothers and sisters, is extended to believers and their seed. Believers and their seed children, believers, and their household. To prove this point, let's look first of all in Acts 16, verse 31. Acts 16, verse 31, the Philippian jailer takes Paul into his home and Paul states it this way. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, you and your household. So who receives the promise of salvation? Who receives the promise of forgiveness? You and your household, okay? We're, we're good so far. So if the promise of forgiveness is for the believer and his household, the next question we have to answer is this. Who should receive the sign of the promise? Who should receive the sign of the covenant? Well, the very same ones who receive the promise. And that's what we find in our passage. Acts 16, verse 33. The Philippian jailer is baptized at once, and so is his household, his family, those who are part of his household. In Acts 16, verse 33, the Philippian jailer with his family. Did you catch that? And to prove this point, look earlier in our chapter, Acts 16, verse fifteen, this is with Lydia. You remember that Lydia, the seller of purple, heard the preaching of the gospel down by the river. Acts sixteen verse fifteen, after she, Lydia, was baptized and her household as well. She then urged the disciple the apostles to come to her home. So after Lydia's heart was opened by the Holy Spirit, both she and her household were baptized as well. So do not miss the point, when the heads of the household are grafted into the covenant, are brought into the communion of faith, the blessings, are the, the, the sign of the covenant is applied not only to them, but to their entire household as well. So, we find this with both Lydia and the Philippian jailer. When they became Christians, when they believed the gospel as proclaimed by Paul, they received the sign and their children as well. In the Old Testament, this is not a, a new point for us. Right? In the Old Testament, we find the same thing. What happens in Genesis uh, chapter 16? In Genesis chapter 16, Abraham believes. His faith credited to him as righteousness, he's justified, and then the Lord says, I'm going to give you a sign that my promises are for you and for your children. Abraham, you are to be circumcised, and your household too. Everyone who is included in your family, in your household unit, is to receive the sign along with you. That's why we need to be clear here when we speak about baptism in the New Testament church. Baptism is not just for adult believers, nor is baptism only for little infant children either. It is included as a household or as a covenantal baptism. When we baptize our little children in our church, as we did just a few weeks ago, when we baptize our, our little children in our church we are not administering the sacrament of baptism in isolation. No this little child is the child of Christian parents. If the parents were not baptized believers this little children would this little child would not be baptized either. That's why it's it's more correct for us to say that our church practices household or covenantal baptism instead of saying that we simply practice infant baptism. This point would be illustrated uh, when a new family is brought into a Christian church. Let's say there's a family from our community that, that uh, hears uh, uh, the preaching of the gospel and wants to join our church. They've never, no one in that family has been baptized. What would the process be? The process would be the parents would make a public profession of faith and then they would be baptized and then their children would be baptized. In that way, the whole family is brought into the covenant in this way. Christian adults along with their children that God grants to them. So since the parents are baptized believers, their children, it stands to reason, should receive the same sign since they have the same promises. Well, what are these promises and where do we find these promises that are connected to the covenant? Well, the promises are found for us in question answer 74, if you have your a catechism's open. Question answer 74. The promise is this. The promise is the deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who produces or who works faith. So as we found earlier, the promises of the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit are given to believers and to their children. And let's, let's focus in on these promises uh, in particular. Earlier in Acts 16, verse 31... Paul says this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. That's Acts 16, verse 31. We find the same thing back in Acts 2, verse 38. We read that earlier on Pentecost Sunday, Acts 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is the promise The forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 2, verse 38. What do we find in the next verse? Who is this promise for? Acts 2, verse 39. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So here again, we we see this point impressed upon us again and again, and it stands, the promise is for you and for your children. And that's why the sign of the promise, the sign of the covenant, is for our children as well. Because the promises are for them as it is for us. But before moving beyond Acts uh, 2 verse 38, we shouldn't miss the extension beyond believers and their children. As Peter continues, this promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. In other words, God is not bound. He's not limited in his work to perform his saving work by his spirit only within the context of our church. Did you catch that? The promise is for you, for your children, and for anyone and everyone who the Lord so chooses to draw near to himself. These two receive the same promises. So it is a wonderful blessing that we have as Christian parents to know that this promise is for us and for our little children, that they should be baptized according to the commands of God. But that is not to say that God is limited or that He only works here in our local church or that He can only save us and our children. The extensive or the expansive word is for everyone whom the Lord chooses to bring near to Himself. There is an evangelical bent to this promise. Sometimes when we think of the work that Christ is performing by His Holy Spirit, we limit that work to those who are here. Now, don't misunderstand me. Praise God. There is a promise. He's working here. There is a promise that, that Christian parents, a, a, a comfort that they can have is that my children are promised the forgiveness of sins. My children are promised the work of the Holy Spirit within. Now, we're going... to that's not everything that has to be said in this. We're going to look at further the limits of this in the second point. But this promise is something which should greatly encourage a Christian parents. But we sometimes get into this, this, this frame of mind, this mindset, that God can only work here with these and no more. We put very sharp limits upon those whom God can call. But the passage says, as many as God freely chooses to bring near to himself, the promises are for them as well. So that means your unbelieving neighbor or your unbelieving coworker could have this promise applied to them. Just because they were not born and raised in a church, does not mean that the promise of the forgiveness of sins and the work of the Holy Spirit could not be applied to them. It could. Praise God, it can. God is free to choose any. He is free to work in the hearts of any He sees fit to bring them into His flock, to bring them into His fold, to graft them into Christ, and to make them one of His people. So our neighbors, people in other countries, could enjoy the promise of the covenant as well. Baptism is is a sign given to us from our God. It's it's a statement. The the Lord is putting His name on these, saying that I am their God, they are my people. As a sign, God is distinguishing the, the children of the church from the children of the world, saying that this one belongs to me. Before we bring to a conclusion this point, just a very brief reminder by way of application. Children, when you are baptized, God is saying something to you and he is saying something about you. What he is saying to you is he's saying you are my child. What he is saying about you is that you belong to me. You do not belong to the world. You do not belong to yourself. We sang that a few minutes ago. I belong to Jesus. That's what the catechism starts with. My only comfort in life and in death is that I'm not my own. I belong. I've been purchased body and soul. And life and in death belonging to a faithful Savior. Baptism is saying to you, you do not belong to the world. So what you find, what you see on TikTok or on Facebook or on whatever social media or on the news... That is not you. That doesn't describe how you act. That doesn't describe how you dress. That doesn't describe how you speak. That is the world. In baptism, God says, You are mine. I'm claiming you. So, children, remember your identity. Remember that in baptism, God is calling you to be His. So as we bring our first point to a conclusion, children of the church, this is your church. This is not the church of your parents. Oh, maybe, but it's not just the church of your parents. It's your church. You are a member of this church. You are part of the congregation of Linwood, the congregation of Jesus Christ. Your place is here. But as we also heard a few weeks back, those who receive the sign of baptism must improve upon that sign. They must respond to those promises. As we read in Acts chapter 2, and the question, What must I do to be saved? the response was, Repent and be baptized. Or again in Acts chapter 16, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So receiving the sign does not replace the need for faith and repentance. So that's what we see in our second point now as the limits on baptism, our limits to baptism. So question answer 72 makes very clear that baptism alone... Or the external washing by itself does not save. We found this in Acts 2 and Acts chapter 16. There is a call to faith and repentance, the commandment to repent and believe in the context of baptism. So there is a a distinction that must be upheld. There is a, a distinction between what is externally symbolized and what is internally received. The external water of baptism is a sign and a seal. It is saying something to us. It is signifying something to us. It is promising something to us. But, it, but the water itself does not replace, nor does it secure, that which is signified. It's sort of like the way we use paper money. If, if I were to take out of my wallet and show you a, a green piece of paper, this green piece of paper remains very insignificant by itself. But when it's got the seal upon it of the U.S. government, that means it has the good faith and credit of the U.S. government, which gives it its worth, right, A value. So it is with baptism by itself, if separated from faith, does us little uh, lasting good. In other words, the water of baptism cannot be used Cannot be used in place of Christ's precious blood. Baptism is not a replacement for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. In order to prove this fact, we can look at examples in the scriptures where there were people who received the external sign of the covenant while remaining hardened in their hearts. A few examples, starting with the Old Testament. Remember, Old Testament circumcision is a sign of the covenant. Circumcision administered to the Old Testament, specifically males. We can think of Ishmael, right? Ishmael circumcised when he was 13 years old. His brother Isaac was circumcised when he was 8 days old. Yet Ishmael remains hardened in his heart and cast out. We're going to find the same thing tonight with Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau both circumcised. Both children of the covenant. But one would be loved while the other one would be hated. Or in the New Testament, jumping forward, we can consider Ananias and Sapphira. They were members of the New Testament church. So was Simon Magus or Simon the Magician. Being members of the external church is no replacement for having true faith and repentance. So with Ananias and Sapphira, Acts 5, verse 4, wickedness still dwelled in their hearts. So being externally baptized or being member of the local church is no substitute for having true faith in Jesus Christ. Question and answer 72. The water of baptism does not save by itself, nor does it wash away sins. If the external washing with water at baptism washed away sins, we would be motivated to get as many people baptized as absolutely possible. We could take in the children of our our neighbors and extended family members and just bring them here, get a little water washed up, dumped on them, and they'll be fine. They'll be saved. There'd be no need for church discipline or discipleship. But that is not what baptism says. That's not what baptism does. What cleanses us from our sins? Children, where do we find the forgiveness of our sins? 1 John 1 verse 7. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. 1 John 1 verse 7. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. Now that's not to make little or to make baptism insignificant, it's to simply put baptism in its proper position and place. We do not put our trust in baptism. Right? Children, as you you grow and develop, you should look back at your baptism, be comforted. Your faith should grow as you remember God's promises made to you at your baptism. But this baptism and the external washing of water does not nullify or cancel the need for saving faith that unites you to Jesus Christ and the cleansing that you receive from His blood. To say this another way, being a member of the local church or being baptized as a child is no substitute for having saving faith. I'll say that again. Being a member of the local church or being baptized as a child is no substitute for having saving faith. It is not the external water of baptism that cleanses. As 1 Peter 3.21 says, this baptism saves you. Not the removal of dirt from your body, external baptism, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What baptism saves you? The baptism into the blood of Jesus Christ. Being baptized. It's a gift. It's a privilege. Yes and amen. Being baptized means you're going to be raised in the context of the means of grace. Being baptized means that you're going to be raised in the context of Christian parents who are teaching you training you in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. Being baptized means you're going to be sitting under the preaching week in and week out. Being baptized means you're going to be raised in, in Sunday school and catechism. These are blessings from God. The promises are yours. Forgiveness of your sins. The work of the Holy Spirit. But the whole point of the means of baptism is to produce or to encourage faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism is is a means to strengthen that faith. So don't trust the means themselves, but rather trust in the Savior who gives you the means of grace. As we close, our consideration of baptism is a consideration that should produce both humility and thanksgiving. Humility is Because baptism has something to say to you and your sins, about your sins. Baptism says to you, brothers and sisters, baptism says you are dirty and you need to be cleansed. Baptism says you are filthy, you are polluted, you are filled with transgression and iniquity, and you need to be cleansed. So baptism is a humbling truth. But it is also a great truth of encouragement, which produces thanksgiving because the very cleansing that is necessary has been provided by Jesus Christ. Though your sins are like scarlet, you'll be made as white as wool. Jesus Christ instituted household baptism as a sign of those who are in covenant with him. Since God has covenanted with us and with our children, let us embrace the Savior, who has washed us with his precious blood. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful gift of baptism, which points to Christ. May we embrace the meaning in baptism, and may we cling to Christ and trust in Christ and depend on Christ and his precious blood alone for the washing, for the cleansing and renewal that we need. May we not, O Lord, trust in our own abilities or external works, but may we trust in Christ with a heart of faith produced by your Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.